Is there no music? Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the current edition of BC Interruption Radio slash the Eastern Bias Podcast. Shep, is this episode number 27 for the Eastern Bias I believe Bias it is Eastern episode 27. I was thinking about it in the shower a little while ago. I believe it's episode 27. It's our 27th episode of the show. It is our third ever live edition, and it's a great time to do a live edition here on BC Interruption Radio as we get set to talk about the NCAA Hockey Tournament, which begins this weekend for regional sites. Three hockey teams will participate. Your Boston College Eagles, Shep's Boston University Terriers, and the Providence College Friars. There are some other local teams as well, Harvard, Yale, Quinnipiac, and we'll be sure to talk about all of them. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, 646-200-0446 is the call-in number. Feel free to call in. You can also tweet at us, at Eastern Bias, or at BC Interruption. I should mention, by the way, that I'm Joe Gravelisi the editor of bcinterruption.com. And I'm, if you're a uh, new listener of Eastern Bias, I'm joined, as always, by the co-host of, I guess, really, I'm the co-host and you're the host, Eastern Bias. And that would be Shep Hayes of Blogging on Babcock, ABU Community. Shep, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. Uh, if anybody can see me in my office, and that would be weird because I'm the only person in here. Although there is a window, but it looks out onto, like, woods. Uh, I was conducting a band during the BC fight song, because that felt right, because it really feels like a, a fight song for a big band to play. Uh, that's my opinion on that. Uh, I know how much jealous of our fight song, I know. I, I think BU's got a fine fight song. It's not, the, it's not a bad fight song. The alma mater, alma mater is uh, quite disrespected, though, and, and not played enough. Only The only times I've heard it this year have been after uh, the Beanpot and the Hockey's Tournament, both of which BU won, just in case you were wondering. I'm sure that's uh, the, that's why you mentioned it, I think. I, I think that's it. Um, and uh, they were a little bit uh, – It's they're good, but they, I need to hear them more. I, I think I'd like to hear it more. That's okay. It. Well, we will talk about hockey and not just bands. Um, we've got a ton of guests lined up for tonight. It's going to be awesome. I, I feel confident in saying this is going to be the best assembly of guests to talk college hockey on any radio show or podcast all year, all season long. We're Should gonna, we change the time? Sure. So at about 8.20, we're going to have Mark Diver from the Providence Journal. Boom. <laughs> at about 8.30, we're going to have Carolyn. Oh, what was her last name? Oh, you're a terrible person. Giolo, I believe, uh, from the Denver Clarion student newspaper to talk about Denver, uh, who comes Boom. to Providence this weekend to play BC. Uh, at 8.45, we're going to have the man who goes by the alias, the Dark Knight, uh, on... Um, from the Daily Gopher, which is SB Nation's Minnesota blog, as a lot of us are kind of assuming that BU is going to be playing Minnesota and Manchester this weekend. Boom. After that, we've got Chris Boulay uh, of College Hockey News and also a Yale alumnus, um, so he can bring some perspective on the Yaleys. The first team BU will be facing in the tournament and their inevitable massacring of the field. Um, Aw, And then Joe Maloney also of College Hockey News, and friend of the program will join us. 
Uh, you've got Boulay at 9.30 and Maloney at 9. Ah, okay. I'm excited about Maloney at 9, Boulay at 9.30. So, so much to talk about. So many guests. We're going to start. We do have a little bit of time before our guests join us to just offer our thoughts on the weekend that was in college hockey. Um, I imagine you have more thoughts than I do. Uh, your team did win their first hockey's title since 2009, and uh, they did it in pretty impressive fashion. Yeah, I thought that they uh, they looked pretty good. I mean, throughout the whole tournament, really, uh, they, they looked good against Merrimack uh, in those two games. Went out there, did some pounding, and moved on. Uh, they looked. They won four one against UNH on Friday night, and they won five three against Lowell on Saturday. And, and honestly, that Lowell game. Though there were moments of tension and, and nervousness, I think, on my part, uh, it never really felt exceptionally close. Um, a, very, a very low shooting game, uh, Lowell led shots 25 to 24, a moderate amount of penalties, uh, four for eight minutes for Lowell, five for 10 minutes for BU. Um, but uh, BU struck first and set a tone pretty early on in the game. A goal from Matt Grizzlick on the power play at 13.08, a goal from Jack Eichel at 15.02, there was a waved-off goal mixed in there in the first period. Lowell did manage to score one uh, at 18-10 in the first, but I, I think in the second, BU really established itself and uh, and just kept rolling on uh, towards victory, and that was a, a pretty exciting thing overall. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a very dominant performance uh, from BU throughout the entire hockey uh, playoffs which was something that they needed, uh, something that they sort of lacked in those last few weeks of the weekend. They went up to New Hampshire and lost the game. They tied and lost the game to Notre Dame. They did lose a game uh, against Northeastern, um, but, uh, and, and they went to overtime in, in the Beanpot Championship game, did go on to, to dominate Northeastern in the last game of the regular season, 6-1. to one. But they beat Merrimack 6-2. They beat Merrimack 5-0. They beat New Hampshire 4-1. They beat Lowell 5-3. So let's do some addition there. That is 14 plus 12 is 26 goals to, I think, nine. So they outscored their opponents 26 to nine in uh, four games. I think that's pretty good. Oh, wait, no, I, I It was I dominant. Didn't. I mean, it was yeah. arguably the most dominant performance any team put forth in any of the conference tournaments. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it's inarguable, considering the depth and, and strength of the conference that they worked their way through. They got a little yeah. lucky. Well, then again, I'd say they got lucky playing UNH, but you know what? UNH came in hot. And they mm-hmm. off an NCAA tournament team in Providence to get there. And I think, you know, this could have just been the bias in me because I wanted them to lose. But I really thought that Lowell would at least, like, take them to overtime, if not win, because you've got a Lowell team that had been, what, 5-0 and in their last five tries at the Garden. Uh, they were coming in hot after that little losing streak they had back about a month ago. And they were desperate. They knew they needed to win to keep their season alive. Mm-hmm. And BU did not need that. And so, I mean, there were reasons why they needed it. Obviously, it's a big game. You want to win your conference title. You want to lock up a one seed. And I don't think it's obviously no coincidence that teams that have won their conference title have won, I think, five out of the last seven national championships, I want to say, Uh, maybe five out of eight. But, I mean, it was a bigger deal for Lowell because you've got a team that I think, and I think you would probably agree, that they were poised to do some damage if they did make the tournament. You know, depending on their regional, they absolutely could have made a run at the first and four, but they didn't make it. And um, I, I, th- I thought they would end up giving VU a really good game. But it certainly seemed to me, following from afar, from many, many miles away, uh, that VU pretty much took control of that game and ran with it. 
talking to yeah. people that watched it closely, they said that maybe if Boyle had you know been better, that maybe it would have been a closer game. But it seems like BU was certainly the superior team. To to me at least, I think that uh, the waved off goal, and I, I cannot remember who scored it at this moment, and I feel terrible for that. But I, I think that waved off goal, like in my head, it set some things off, um, and it it got me sort of thinking, oh, like this is. This is how this game's gonna go, and I don't think BU really ever looked back from there. Um, in fact, looking at the box score, the score almost seems uh, low. I thought they scored six, um, but yeah, it, it was just a it it was a, a really dominant game from a team looking for number one seed. And, and I mean, you know, yeah, Jack Uggle out there with three points, two goals, three points. Uh, Matt Grizzlick, uh three points on one goal and two assists. And Matt O'Connor had an assist too, which is something to exciting and things like that when that happens a good game from the good players and bam they uh, they they have two banners now hanging up at td garden which is uh something we could not say about last year's team um i i don't know if there's anything you could say about last year's team uh, other than they were bad and that's where that was I can't. I don't know why I'm still bringing them up. I should. I should stop. It's, well, it's over. You know now. They're part of the storyline, though, because quite frankly, yes, they were really bad. You know, it's not like they were mediocre and lost some tough games. They were horrible, and that's why I and you, even you know, it wasn't just me as a PC fan, thought that sort of the ceiling for BU this year was to be a tournament team, not to be almost inarguably. I think a slight favorite to win it all going into the tournament. So I was thinking about this this weekend. Um, way back when we did our preview show in like September, I was, uh, I think I said the, the bar for BU this year would be like, win the bean pot. It's simple. It's two games. You're in it already. Like just win the bean pot. It'll be easy. Um, not easy, but you know, it won't, it won't be that hard. Uh, and to think now they won the bean pot. They won the hockey East regular season. They won the hockey's tournament. They're a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's that's vastly exceeding expectations, and it's mostly the work of one single player. Um, and we shouldn't forget that at, at any point. That that a lot of this. Uh, Ryan Lambert has tweeted out a bunch of different things over the past few days. Uh, oh, God, sorry about that. At two line pass, um, love Block Talk Radio, uh, saying various things. Uh, Oh, what was that? saying various things about about how much Eichel contributes to this team and how how much of a difference he's made in the turnaround, and that's part of the reason why he's the conference rookie of the year and player of the year and the only conference no- uh, nominee for the Hobie Baker Award. Which, thank God, because if you listen to last week's show, I was about ready to cry. He was. I can confirm that Shep was basically crying over the fact that you know they had teased only one hockey's person had been nominated for the Hobie, and he was so worried. That it might not be Mr. Eichel. Um, so I was prepared to throw a fit. Oh, I know you were. I know. I you. was worked up. I would have been here for you, buddy. Don't worry about it. I almost doubt that because I wasn't there for you over the weekend. So you know what? You weren't. But we won't even. I was not. You were, well, you were there. Oh, I was there. You were but there, I wasn't there ready for to you. Drop it in my face. Yeah. I was there to After stop. I flew across the country to support my alma mater's women's hockey team. And you know what? Good on you for doing that. And you had a good time in the end, didn't you? I had a great time. Yeah. In in addition to witnessing the Women's Frozen Four, uh, I saw the NCHC Championship game. 
which was pretty terrible because it's not Hockey East, and therefore it doesn't matter. Um, you and a million North Dakota fans watched the team that's not North Dakota. Yeah, that was fun. You know, hung out with some North Dakota fans. I met Run with the Dogs, um, one of the Minnesota, pretty much the Minnesota Duluth Twitter person, I think. Um, so that was fun. Met up with some Wisconsin fans that were also out there and for the Women's Frozen Four and were sad about their men's team. Um, so that was fun. I uh, enjoyed doing that. Got a chance to see a pretty interesting Miami versus St. Cloud game, actually. It was not the highest quality game I've ever seen, but a lot of interesting things happened. And I think we should get into that a little bit with Mark Diver uh, when we start to preview the fact that Miami of Ohio is coming east uh, to play in the East Regional where they potentially may have to go through two hockey East teams. <laughs> and I'm sure they are pumped about that. That was so well for them in the past. Do you think that they've already started uh, renovating Rico Blasi's office yet, or do you think that they're going to wait for after the weekend when he destroys it again? Oh, boy. Well, I feel sad for him at this I, point. I do feel sad for him, but, that, and, but the question is, is he feeling sad for himself? Because, you know, on paper, they should win this regional. Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to say that, actually. I would give Denver just as good a shot as, as Miami. What, what yeah, I don't think I would say on paper because there are two hockey East teams in the regional. So on paper, they're probably set up to lose the regional. Well, right. I mean, that's that's a, a whole separate issue with, I think it's what, seven years in a row that um, that Miami uh, has lost to a hockey East team or seven tournament appearances in a row. They, I'm not sure what the exact. They weren't in the tournament. I think last I know that. They got knocked out by UNH a couple years ago. They got knocked out by Providence. The Lowell once, BC three times, BU once. Everyone's had their turn. That one BU time really counted too. That counted for yeah, like that, five that certainly times. did happen. I, I've been thinking a lot. I think we mentioned this on the show last week. What the narratives will be like if Miami oh, yeah. comes to Boston for the Frozen Four? I it's I, I think. There's going to be some – it's going to be intense. There's going to be a lot of narrative. We have a lot of things built up here. Um, Especially since, you know, the brackets are set up that it could be a Miami versus BU championship game. But the, get, that, would, that would just break. There's a lot of hockey to go before that. Um, we've already started talking about the brackets a little bit. We have a few minutes before our first guest comes on. What was your initial gut reaction to BU's draw? Um, and just well, for those of you who don't know, BU will be the one seed in Manchester, New Hampshire, in the Northeast Regional, uh, playing against four-seeded Yale. The two-versus-three matchup is Minnesota Duluth versus Minnesota. Um, I think I was uh, – I'm nervous because that's just always what I am about these sorts of things. I'm always uh, afraid of, of how things will go. But uh, I don't think it's too bad. Uh, Yale's a uh, – if you can't have RIT, I think Yale's a pretty nice substitute here. Uh, maybe Quinnipiac would have been a little bit better, but, you know, you, you, you take what you can get. Uh, I feel a little bit nervous about that Minnesota-Minnesota Duluth thing on the other side, uh, if only because I'm, I'm sure that there will be some passion and things like that over there. Um, and who knows how that translates uh, into to what could happen on Saturday, if you can be so lucky as to play on Saturday at 530 at the Verizon Wireless Arena or whatever they're calling it now. Um, but I don't feel – I feel like it was a, a – pretty good drive. I don't think it's the hardest region of the tournament overall. I probably would pin that down to, I, I think, maybe the Providence one. Uh, I would say that the Providence regional is the group of death, and, and I've yeah. been to do a post on BC Interruption where I add up the crack rating of all four teams in the regional and determine which is the group of death. 
Um, but even if you ignore that and just kind of look at trends, I think top to bottom, you've got four really good teams that nobody would be surprised to see in the Frozen Four in Providence. I think what you have in Manchester is you have two teams that me and yeah. Minnesota, if they were not in the same regional, I would certainly be picking them both to go to the Frozen Four, I think, with the way they're playing. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if Minnesota Duluth I don't want to say I'd be shocked if they beat Minnesota because it's a rivalry game and, and yeah. a game, but I'd be shocked if Duluth or Yale came out of that region. Whereas nobody would be really shocked if any of the four teams came out of the Providence region. And I think that's the difference between the two. Um, and so I think that was to kind of to go off into my reaction. You know, I initially was hopeful that BC would end up in Manchester, which is what Jason Moy had predicted. Uh, he had predicted that we would play Duluth which I think would have been a pretty good matchup for BC. I think style-wise, they, they'd you know, we'd be able to run and gun with them a little bit. And I think that just in terms of how they've been playing, Duluth actually is one of the few teams in the field that comes in colder than BC. Um, I think they're like five and six down the stretch. Um, they really hit their stride around Christmas and have fallen off since then. And I thought that was a you know winnable matchup for BC. And when you look at one seeds, obviously BU is you know a more talented team, or at least – a team that's playing better, you know, regardless of how you feel about the top to bottom talent on the teams, but it's a rivalry game and anything can happen in a rivalry game. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, we've seen BC beat BU before um, and we saw them play a competitive game against them before. So I thought that, you know, of all the one seeds, I wanted BU. Uh, I kind of forgot about the fact that the whole history with Miami <laughs> and how that could be a thing. But I, I, will, I will say this, though. I definitely did not want Denver. You know, if there was one team I really did not want to play that was of the two seeds, it was Denver. You know, I think all the other two seeds are, you know, looking vulnerable. Minnesota Duluth is looking vulnerable. They're looking at their right. They're 5-5-2 five, five, and two in their last 12 games, and they're both scoring and allowing 2.58 goals per game exactly during that stretch. Nebraska Omaha is a two seed. They're two five and three in their last ten games, averaging less than two goals a game. Michigan Tech is the other two seed, and they've been playing well, but they're Michigan Tech, and so you kind of feel like you know if you get them, you've got a good chance to beat them. Um, yeah. yeah. So there, those are three of the options for BC to play, but you knew kind of as the bracket was shaping up that they were probably either going to play Duluth and Manchester or they were going to play Denver and Providence. And as soon as I saw you know, Denver listed as the two, I, I kind of had that sinking feeling like it was going to be BC, and it was. And, and I ultimately think this is going to be an extremely difficult game for BC to win uh, against Denver on Saturday. Um, you know, you can make the argument that they did play very well against Denver uh, back in the – on Halloween night, they beat Denver in Denver, which was a long time ago. Uh, on November 1st, they took Denver to overtime and lost with about 40 seconds left in OT, although it should be noted that three of Denver's top players were out that night with like the flu or something. Um, and BC did look pretty good in that series, and it certainly didn't look like there'd be some sort of crazy talent mismatch. But I think Denver is really coming to their own over the course of the season. It, to some extent, you could say BC has as well. Um, they're playing a lot better than they did in November. Um, that was actually the weekend Steve Santini got hurt. Um, just coincidentally. Um, but it didn't look like a mismatch, but I just think that Denver, you know, they're a really good team. They're very stout. They're well-coached. And they also have, you know, some really good high-end talent. Joey Lelegia, you know, being a potential Hobie Baker runner-up candidate. Um, 
there's just a lot there to that team. And it's going to be, you know, I, I think that they're a really good, solid pick to go all the way. You know, if you're looking to avoid picking a one seed, like a BU or, or, or North Dakota, you know, sort of an obvious pick. Not that Denver is exactly a long shot, but, you know, there's someone who's outside of that obvious grouping. Um, so I think they have a really good chance. Um, Denver does of winning the whole thing. And as such, I think it's a tough, tough draw for BC to try to get past them. But if they do get past them, the door, I think, is open for BC after that. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you're, you're then you're in the Frozen Four. It's the second weekend. You'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be huge and things like that. Well, I'm sure the second game oh. be either against um, well, Providence, who struggling, struggling, and also, I think a BC versus Providence regional final has the potential to be the most boring game in the history of college hockey. That's, I feel like that's a really high bar you just set for yourself right there. Um, I'm ta- sure we can find a more boring game. Talking about, you know, a 0-0 game uh, that goes like six overtimes. I think that's not out of the question. Overtime <laughs> does not necessarily mean an exciting game. That's just that throwing that out there. That is true. Um, but it would be a game that BC certainly could win. You know, they lost one nothing to Providence back in November, and then they beat Providence in a really exciting game at Conti Forum. Uh, in January, which I think was kind of the peak of BC's season, honestly, was that game. They played really well. It was shortly after they beat BU. It really felt like they were going into the bean pot with a ton of momentum and then, you know, not so much. Um, so we know they can beat Providence, uh, who's not even playing as well as they were back then at that time. Or you've got Miami, who, first of all, they're Miami. And, you know, I know hashtag narratives and all that. Oh, so many narratives. So many narratives. But, I mean, at, at a certain point, it's not a small sample size anymore. It's got to be no, it's not. to face the Hockey East team. Um, and then the other thing, too, is, you know, Miami's a team that's a little bit banged up right now, um, or at least dealing with being shorthanded. You know, this wouldn't necessarily be a factor on Sunday. But on Saturday, they're going to be down two players. Uh, they're going to be down Riley Barber, an outstanding player for them who uh, looks like – what was it, a knee injury that he suffered? Game. Pull it up. Um, and so he's out, and he that guy's a really good prospect uh, for Miami, Ohio. Certainly a top player for them, and he's going to be out with an injury. Um, and then you have the interesting case of Blake Coleman. Um, did you see this? Did you did you see what an interesting game? No, was? I did not. Okay, so in the NCHC championship game. Which you were at. Which I was at, and was, you know, an okay game. Uh, Blake Coleman scored a hat trick for Miami in the first, like, 32 minutes of the game um, and then proceeded to get ejected for a uh, hit from behind, five-minute major hit from behind a game misconduct. Uh, this was all in the second period. He was named number one star of the game and came out after, you know, missing half the game of the locker room to get to be interviewed as the number one star of the game. It was bizarre. I'd never really seen anything like that before, and it was extremely cool. Um, but Coleman is legit. Like that, that kid has a hell of a slap shot, and, and he scored a couple of howitzers to to put Miami back up front after St. Cloud jumped out to an early lead. Um, he he is going to miss Saturday's game because he picked up an automatic suspension um, for his third game misconduct of the season. Good God! That yeah. So- that's that's two twenty goal scorers though that that uh, Miami will be without it in Coleman and Barber. Correct, and so add that into the fact that a they're playing a hockey team, and b 
They are flying across the country to face a team with arguably the most talented goalie in the field playing walking distance from its campus. Although you might not want to make that walk. It's a little sketchy, but I mean, you could if you wanted to. Um, That seems like a bad combination for Miami. You know, I think it's going to be a pretty sexy pick to pick Providence to knock them off. Um, I think we should make a bold Eastern bias prediction here. Shall we do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do we have a good sound effect for this? Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What about the bell ding? Do it. There's the bell ding. This is our, our bold Eastern bias prediction. Miami will lose against Providence. How's that sound? I, I, I made a prediction. I, that's my prediction as well. And obviously, okay. they'll make us look silly and all that. But um, uh, with, given that they're shorthanded, we also posted the stats on BC Interruption today, if you didn't see it. Um, number one seeds that fly since 2008 are 7 and 10 in the NCAA regional round. That is that's, a fascinating stat. That's incredible or what? Did you happen to get a chance to see this? No, in fact, I'm going to go look at it right now because that's I, what I see. I'll run through it. So we're expecting Mark Diver of the Providence Journal. Unfortunately, it looks like there's been some sort of issue. Uh, we don't have him on the line right now. We hope that he should be able to join us shortly. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about the impact that travel has on the NCAA tournament. And it's it's profound. And I think it's especially timely to talk about this because we're discussing the idea of changing the regional format. Um, One of the problems with the regional format is basically evidenced by what BC and Providence get to do this weekend, which is that you've got lower seeds basically sitting at home while higher seeds fly across the country to come play them. Um, BC benefits from this, so I'm happy about it, but it's certainly not fair. I mean, it it, it is what it is. It's the system we have, but but it would certainly be fairer if it was not the system that we had. Let me just read you some stats here. You ready for some stats? Um, Throw them at me. So since 2008, I went back and added it all up. Teams playing, so I I broke it down into three different categories. Teams that are playing in-state. Teams that are traveling out of state, but a bus trip away, which the NCAA defines as 350 miles or less. Or teams that are flying. Overall, teams in-state are 25 and 15. This doesn't doesn't matter what seed they are. Uh, teams traveling out of state by bus are 23 and 15 and teams flying are 39 and 54. Uh, Obviously there's a much bigger sample there of teams um, flying, but I mean, that's a pretty decent amount of data that suggests that it's a huge advantage um, to not have to fly. And to break it down by seed a little bit, one seeds that are in state are nine and one, one seeds that are traveling to another state by bus. Hello, BU are 15 and three. I like those odds. But one seeds that fly are 7 and 10. And we think about some of the victims of this. You had the 2011 BC team, a great team. Possibly the best BC team I've seen of all these teams that they've had in the year, through the years, and yet they got knocked off by Colorado College in the tournament after you know, having to fly uh, as the one seed. Uh, you've got um, – who was it last year? Last year, there was a big one seed that got knocked off in the first round. They do. And, and so it, you had BC was one of those. You had, Oh, it happened to Miami. Miami flew across the country to play UNH. <laughs> UNH was the four seed that same year, actually, in 2011. And they went down as a one mm-hmm. seed as well. Um, so it's not uncommon to see this happen, even with, some very good teams that you are, you know, would expect to do well. And um, 
it's been a problem. And then you, you look at the two seeds. At one of the other things I kind of saw that was a little odd was that two seeds have been kind of mediocre in general. Um, they're nine and nine in state, zero and three on a bus trip, and nine and twelve when flying. Um, yeah, that is a yeah, you know, bad. Granted, actually, the other thing what you'll notice is that two, three, and four seeds are practically interchangeable, but the one seeds have a slight edge. The, the three seeds yeah, are yeah. four and three when playing in state. They're eight and eight when traveling by bus, which is where the category BC is in, uh, and seven and fourteen when flying. And four seeds, interestingly enough, are three and two in state, zero and one by bus, and fifteen and eighteen uh, by flight. So actually, in terms of winning percentage, four seeds have the best winning percentage when flying of any. Uh, it's a little unusual. Uh, I don't really have a reasoning for that. Uh, we do have a call on the line, so I'm going to see if this is one of our guests or perhaps uh, one of you out there, one of our listeners. Um, hello out there. You're on the air. Can you hear us? Hello? Hello? The All phone right. number is just a bunch of ones. Oh, All we right. got another caller, though. We have another caller, which let's see who this is. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, this is Mark Diver from the Providence Journal. How you doing? Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Oh, yeah, thanks for calling in. So we, we were just talking a little bit about what the task that Miami uh, has ahead of them. But let me just quickly introduce Mark Diver of the Providence Journal, as mentioned, uh, writing for the Providence Journal for quite a while, and uh, does an outstanding job covering both the Providence Bruins as well as the Providence College Friars. Um, Mark, we're talking about the fact that Miami is faced with having to fly across the country uh, to face uh, number four Providence at home. And this has been a recipe for disaster for one seeds, actually, in recent years. Um, one seeds that have to fly in the first round are 7-10 and 10 in NCAA regionals since 2008. And I think that's definitely going to be a factor this weekend. Really? I didn't know that. I, I wasn't aware of that uh, that stat, but that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the stats say it, it's an issue, but it's a short flight, you know, from Ohio. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it won't be too – they won't be on the plane too uh, too long. So I, I I don't know. I'd be surprised if that really affected the game, uh, to be honest. Well, what definitely will affect the game is the absence of Barber and Coleman. Right, right. When they played, Miami played in Providence, uh, not this season, but last mm-hmm. season. And Barber had the puck all weekend. You know, he, he just dominated both games. Uh, he was a, just a real standout. Uh, and having him or not having him, uh, is obviously a big loss for them. Uh, as you may have heard, there's, there's really no word on whether he'll be able to play. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if he if he didn't try to play. And uh, I think it's just a question of what percent will will he be uh, will be he be at? He, he probably won't be at a hundred, but will it be fifty? Will it be eighty? Uh, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. And I'll have to say, I was at the NCHC final, and he was carried out there onto the ice by his teammates, and it looked very bad. Uh, for, from what yeah. I saw, it certainly would would surprise me if um yeah if if, if he played. I'm certain I'm sure that he'll make the effort. Uh, Miami's a really good team; they're a really fast team. Uh, they've got a lot of skill, um, and I think that it'll be an interesting contrast in styles to see if Providence can kind of slow them down and, and, and allow their goaltending and defense to win out. 
Yeah, Providence is expecting a fast game. Because, uh, uh, like you say, that's Miami's strength. Uh, but Providence is uh, is a good defensive team, as you know. They don't allow many goals. Uh, they've got uh, the big guy in the in the net that uh, that's just been tremendous this year, uh, uh, John Gillies. So it is a very interesting matchup, um, and it will be interesting to see. I think what kind of who who referees the game and what kind of game they call. Because uh, you're gonna have guys like Providence will try to hit. Uh, you know they'll try to bang, uh, and it it'll be interesting to see if they're allowed to uh, to do that uh, by whoever refs it. That's a, that's a good point because let me tell you one other observation I had about Miami, and I know that you'd be a lot more professional about it if you had saw the game than I did. But I, I have to say, as someone who went into watching Miami versus St. Cloud with no not a care in the world as to who would win the game, you know, and no real strong opinions on either team, Miami was a like to dive a lot, and um, they they were they were a little chippy and dirty behind the play, uh, with Coleman you know leading the way, getting ejected for a hit from behind. Uh, my yeah. immediate fear when I saw that that chippy style of play was if they play BC, BC is going to take three hundred penalties because <laughs> uh, they take a lot of penalties as it is, no matter who they play. Uh, do you think Providence yeah. you know, would have the ability to deal with? you know, a team maybe trying to goad them or, or, or get them into a chippy kind of game and turn it into a special teams battle because, boy, that Miami power play looked good. Well, I, I think Providence will be I think Providence will be disciplined. Uh, I, I think I'd be surprised if they got drawn into uh, a, a game where, where they were taking undisciplined penalties. I, I don't think that's something Nate Lehman just doesn't uh just doesn't stand for. Uh I think they'll be ready for that and uh and I'd be surprised if it went that way. Uh you never know though. Uh huh. this is true. It, it was it was it was striking to me. There were a few different incidents. Wow, this is uh Well what was the uh was the the Belpedio kid involved? Yes. Uh <laughs> I was talking to Don Sweeney on Sunday at the P Bruins game and he was out in uh he was out there in Minneapolis, and he was laughing about the Belpedio kid. What a what a trip it is to watch that guy. He 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 compared him to Chris Chelios. Uh, you know, hacking, pushing, punching in the back of the head every chance he gets. Uh, he said it was it was a real uh, like I said a real trip to watch him. And and he was questioning, you know, would he be able to get away with that when he uh, when he makes a step to the pros. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch that that kid. Yeah, I mean he's undoubtedly extremely talented, which is the case I think for a lot, for Miami's whole roster. I mean they've got a very good team. We're talking about the team that did just win what was arguably the most competitive conference. And I think our next guest, who's um, Colin from Denver, will have some thoughts on that, and we'll we'll get to her shortly um, as we wrap things up here. But it, it's a very good team. But I think you know certainly one that is vulnerable given the flight, given the, the, the people that will be missing, and given the fact that Providence is going to be playing at home. I think one of the things I thought of as sort of a storyline, and, and you know, without getting too into the mentality of people, Providence came awfully close to not making the tournament. You know, if one other result had gone the way it did, and that would have been a huge, huge disappointment for a team that, you know, this was really their year. You know, this is um, – yeah, they were so in hockey East, and – Ultimately, to this point, I think they've been a little disappointing. However, they have kind of a new lease on life now. Um, they're playing at home. They've got a winnable bracket, 
and you know if they make the frozen four all of a sudden the disappointment of not making it to the garden and you know not challenging bu for first place all of a sudden that all goes away pretty quick well i agree and i think they uh they certainly realize that uh talking to some of the kids yesterday um a couple of them mentioned the second chance you know we got a second chance and we're uh we're we're going to take advantage of it uh so I think they're they're going into it in in a good mindset that that they need to uh they need to play better. They need to convert their chances when they get them, which they didn't do against New Hampshire and which has been a problem all season. They're, they've had trouble scoring. Uh Yeah, and I think it's interesting to note, you know, looking at the stats. So Providence comes in in the last 10 games they're 6 and 4, which is not great. But they're yeah. averaging they're actually averaging over three goals a game in that stretch, and they're only allowing one point eight goals a game, which is best in the bracket by a half goal uh over b c allowing two point three goals a game and about a goal a game better defensively than Miami and denver and uh offensively a pretty good amount better than b c as well so I think it might be a you know a matter of just not burying their chances at the opportune time or losing some close games. Uh, that's kept them out. I mean, we'd be probably talking a little bit differently about Providence if they had scored in overtime to beat UNH. So certainly not a team to sleep on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you're right about that. It's It's been very close. Uh, and having Gillies is, is such such an advantage to them. Uh, I think I read where he he's given up two goals or less in his last 11 straight games. So... Well, that's huge. Uh, that's always the you know to win. So it, it's a race to three. In other words, if they can get to three, uh, they got a pretty good chance. I, I like their chances that they can get to three. The question is, can they do it? So yeah, and I guess my my last thought would be if you know, and obviously there's a lot that needs to happen. But if B, if BC and Providence were to face one another in the final regional final on Sunday, it may well be a race to one. <laughs> right, right. He, he, to expect a low-scoring game in that one, if, if that's where, uh, if that's what we have on ESPN two. Yes. All right, Mark. Thank oh, you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on if the Friars are uh, heading for the Frozen Four in a, in a couple of weeks. Well, thanks. I'd love to do that. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. So Bye-bye. thanks very much to Mark Dever of the Providence Journal. We're going to quickly go to our next guest. And because I forgot to ask her how to pronounce her name, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Uh, are you there? Hi. Hello. Hi, introduce it's, yourself. It's pronounced <laughs> Carolyn Angiolo. Carolyn Angiolo. Good Irish name. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome, <laughs> welcome to BC Interruption Radio slash the Eastern Bias Podcast. Uh, Carolyn covers the Denver Pioneers for the Denver Clarion, uh, the student newspaper out there in Denver, and uh, wanted to bring in the rare Western perspective here on our program. Um, we don't do this often. I know. We don't do this often. In fact, is this our first Western guest? Yes, I think so. We're going to do two Western guests back-to-back, which is uh, an achievement for us. Like We deserve an award for ourselves. We do. We, Thank we you even- so much for having me. Yeah, we we acknowledge that mountain time exists. It's a, it's a real thing. It's not. Uh, so I have to I have to say this. You know, before the bracket came out, my thinking was as a three seed, the the, the two seed that I least wanted to see BC play was Denver. Um, and thinking about 
Pickett filling out my bracket, I see Denver as a team that has a real strong chance to, to go all the way. Um, however, on the flip side, I have to imagine that for Denver, they probably weren't all that pumped to see BC as the matchup for, for their part either. My, I'm at this point, no matter who you play, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, obviously there's seeding that comes into play. So obviously playing Minnesota would be a lot harder than playing RIT, for example. But obviously any the games can go anyway at this point. So it means a lot that you say that you have that you think we have a chance to go all the way. Obviously I feel the same way. Um, but I know that it's going to be a hard battle, and I'm not. I'm, I don't want to say either way. Denver's going to win on Saturday, or anything like that, because it's a toss-up at this point. There's lots of factors that can come into play, but I think we have a good chance. For sure, and I think one and of the interesting. So go ahead, sorry. Um, I was just saying that um, I think we have a very good chance, but at the same point, I know that BC is a great program. And this isn't their first time at the rodeo, so they know how this tournament works, and they're prepared. So, But Denver will be happy to know that there is no Johnny Gaudreau this year, which he scored like 40 seconds in last year on that matchup. Um, but looking at Denver this year, I think it's really fascinating that last year they had to really go on a big run right at the end to make it into the NCAA tournament by winning the NCHC. This year they required no drama at all. They were you know, a very good team all season long. Uh I think everyone expected them, I think, to be a tournament team this year, but I don't know if anyone expected them to do as well as they did. Uh, what did you see happen with the team as they progressed that allowed them to sort of develop at a schedule and really start playing the kind of hockey that, that Montgomery wants to play? Um, well, I know at the beginning of the season, the NCHC released their, like, preliminary predictions about where people w- or where the teams would rank. And so they said at the beginning of the season that DU was projected to finish fourth in the NCHC. And we ended up finishing third, um, which I know um, a week ago when I was watching us play Miami and we fell to them, that was definitely very upsetting, and I didn't see that. I didn't expect that. Um, So it's awesome that we're still in the tournament. Um, And at the beginning of the season, we were ranked – we were floating around in the top 20 quite a bit. We were ranked 11th and 13th, and then eventually we got in the top 10. And now we're ranked 5th by the NCAA in the country. So that's huge that we moved up in the rankings that much. Um, but for me, I think a huge change in our season started to come in, like, the beginning of January. Um, one of the biggest changes of the team is we have sophomore goalie Evan Cowley, and he started out for most of the season. He um, he was our goalie. He played 20 games this season. Most of them were towards the beginning. And we also have a freshman goalie this year. His name's Tanner Gillette. He ended up playing 25 games this season. So to have him come in and kind of take that position from Cowley, and they still switch off every now and then, and I'm not sure they haven't said who's going to be starting against BC, but I would be very shocked if it was not Tanner Gillette in goal. So I think having him step up, um, especially as a freshman, and becoming, like, the main goalie for this team was huge. Um, Also, there's so much individual talent on this team. Um, When we look at um, Joey Lelegia, he is – he's such a phenomenal player, um, and he's really – he was great last year, too. But I feel like this year he stepped up 
unbelievably. Um, he wasn't even sure if he was going to come back this season because he was drafted by Edmonton, and he was questioning if he should just go straight into the NHL and not finish out at BU. But he did choose to come back, and that's been a huge blessing because he's been helping lead this team in so many ways. So I think having players like that step up, especially towards the middle of our season, and I think we just peaked at the right time, to be honest. Things were going well at the beginning, but then we just kept getting better and better. Um, Another thing is we had some injuries towards the middle of the season. Um, Ty Loney was out for a while, um, and then he came back, and that was a great addition to have him back um, on the ice as well. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Denver peaking at the right time, and you know, look at the stats. They um, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the country down the stretch. If you look at just from February on, they've scored three point eight five goals a game in that stretch, where they've gone eight four and one. Uh, so it certainly seems like a high flying offense is what we expect to see out of Denver. Now, for teams that don't watch, for people that don't watch Denver often, um, do we expect to see a fast up tempo kind of game, or, or you know, what, what kind of style should we expect out of them? Um, so for people that don't usually watch Denver play hockey, I think one of the best things about our team is that it's not strictly offense and strictly defense. It's always fast paced. Games can be hard hitting, but they aren't, they aren't always rough games. It kind of just depends. Um, but yeah, they'll always be fast paced. Um, and my favorite thing is that our defensemen, don't just play defense. Like, they, they score, too. Um, like, Nolan Zajac, he's a defenseman. He's scoring. He has 21 assists. Um, Joey Lelegia leads the team. He has 13 goals, 25 assists. So our our defense isn't strictly a defense, and I think that's something that people really need to watch out for because, obviously, we have our huge offensive scores like Danton Heinen, but then we look at the defensive guys, too, and – they're setting up plays and they're they're scoring goals and helping other people score goals. So I think that's something really exciting to watch. Well, I think that's a similarity with BC too, in that they have a lot of uh, defensemen who like to carry the puck forward and, and are some of the best offensive players on the team. Thinking about Noah Hannafin, Ian McCaution, and and, uh, and Mike Matheson as well. So maybe we could see <laughs> we could see a lot of goals in that game. Although I don't know how well that would do for, for BC, given the difficulty they've had scoring in recent games. Uh, one other question I had for you is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that six out of eight NCHC teams made made it to the national tournament, and you know whether that's a sign of how strong the league was, or maybe that the formula needs a little tweaking. Um, I don't really have an opinion on that because I haven't seen enough of the games. Uh, watching these teams, you know, looking at them from one to six, the ones that made it. You know, would you say that they're all teams that have a chance to make a deep run, or do you think one or two of them maybe have maybe lucked their way into the tournament? Um, well, so the NCHC is hands down, in my opinion, the best conference in the country. And I think it is actually a huge benefit to us to be playing in such a tough conference. I don't know if it's necessarily fair that six out of the eight make the tournament, but it works in our advantage because we're used to playing these teams. We see these teams a lot. So when we have to play them in this tournament, we're ready for them. And I obviously I think that DU has a chance to go far. Um, I was a little surprised that North Dakota ended up getting fourth in the NCHC. That kind of caught me off guard. Um, 
Miami really- beating us also kind of caught me off guard. Um, but I think that both Miami and North Dakota, I'm not sure what was going on with North Dakota in the NCHC tournament, but I do believe that um, if they work out whatever was going on, that they'll have a chance to do well. And both teams from Minnesota, Minnesota State, Minnesota Duluth, both great teams, um, I would not be surprised at how they did. Now, St. Cloud State is also in our conference, and they have made the tournament. I don't foresee them making it very far. Um, So I think if I had to say one that would go out, it would probably be them. Okay, so two quick questions, then we have our next guest coming on. Uh, one would be, do we expect, this came from uh, one of our listeners, BC Mike 22 You stole this from me. I was going to say this. Uh, what, how many Denver fans do we expect? Yeah, I was going to read the tweet. Now you're reading the tweet. Sorry about that, Shep. You can read the tweet. Read the tweet. Uh, you, If you want to read it verbatim. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, from BC Mike 22 how many Denver students are expected to travel to Providence? Uh, I'm going to say here, you can put an over-under on it of like five. Um, are we talking current students or alums? <laughs> current students. Okay. Jeez. Um, honestly, it's kind of sad that I don't foresee many at all. Um, we actually just got back from our spring break and we're starting our new oh. academic quarter. Um, yeah, I don't, when there's games in Magnus Arena, we have students come, but to have current students leave again after just coming back and go all the way to the East Coast, I don't really see that happening. Uh, that is that is murder right there. Okay. So you can but continue I can tell you that there are viewing parties all around campus, so there will definitely be DU fans and current students watching and cheering, and I promise you that I'll be one of them. Okay. <laughs> uh- He's he's now added in. Uh, how many alums do you think will be at the game? This is a live conversation. Um, I think there probably will be a few hundred, maybe, maybe two fifty or so. Um, I know our school's a pretty small school, but we've been around for a long time, so there's definitely a lot of alum that come from here. And hockey's our sport. I mean, like we don't have a football team. Hockey, hockey's our sport. So I know yeah, that people care that. about it a lot. So I think that there will be some alum attending the game, especially those that like live on the East Coast or are from the East Coast. Um, and I know that we do have a lot of students here currently that come from like Massachusetts and New York, New Jersey, and, and like closer to that area. So I'd imagine that there are alums that are from there, too. And I would not be surprised if they were at the game. I know that they'll be watching, though. Great. Well, Carol, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the games this weekend, and maybe we'll connect if uh, Denver makes it to the first Okay, awesome. Thank you. All right, thank you. We do have our next guest on the line. We're bringing him rapid fire. Uh, we're going through guests. Hello? Hello? Hey, is this uh, our friend from the Daily Gopher? It is. This is Danny from the Daily Gopher. I go by Dark Knight on the fu- on the site, but uh, yeah, you can call me Danny. Danny. Oh. All right. I was wondering if we had to go with the pseudonym or if we could, you know. <laughs> have a so, Danny, I'm I, Joe. I won't give you. 
Yeah, I won't give you the last name, but uh, nice to meet you, Joe. That's, that's a fair right. point. That's that's fair. This is Shep. Uh, you, you, we've accepted this, I think. And Shep, hey, I'm gonna let go. you drive. I'm gonna let you drive this interview because Minnesota is in BU's regional. Minnesota is is indeed in BU's regional. Uh, traveling across the country, not halfway across the country, to play Minnesota Duluth. I, I haven't actually looked up like the, the the travel times from St. Paul to Duluth, but I would imagine it's a lot less than coming all the way to New Hampshire. Um, What's your opinion on, on, on the matchup there and, uh, you know, what you, what you think about, about playing Duluth? Well, I think it's, it's a pretty good matchup for the Gophers. And like you say, Duluth to, to the Twin Cities is maybe an hour and 45 minutes up the interstate. Um, so that's a bus trip normally. And I'm pretty sure that I saw on Twitter today that both teams um, have already flown out east. So uh, as for the matchup, this is like the fifth time that the Bulldogs and the Gophers have played, um, and it's going to be the fifth fifth different rink that they play on this year, which is kind of amazing. Um, That's a, it's fascinating to be totally honest with you. As I say, I don't know how you could ever ever have planned five different meetings in five different arenas, but it happened. Um, Duluth right now holds a three-one advantage. Um, the Gophers won early in the season. It was actually the first game of the season. They won three nothing in the icebreaker. Um, and since that point, um, it's pretty much been all Duluth, even though the games have been pretty close. Um, I, I think there was a couple of 2-1 victories for Duluth in there. They're actually – they're very similar teams. Um, they're not they're not real big teams. They don't – it sounds that they don't have big players, but, you know, for the most part, they tend to, to shade a little on the smaller side. They're built around speed. They're built around puck possession, um, and, and that's just kind of the game they like to play. Uh, there's also not – I don't believe there's any love lost between these two teams at all. Yeah. Uh, especially with this being the fifth time that they play this year. Um, I, I don't think that they're all, you know, going to get together and, and go out for pizza after the game. Uh, so it'll be, a, it'll be a good matchup. It's a tough draw, but uh, it'll be, it'll be a fun game to watch. Did they share a plane? Cause like that seems like no. an economical way to do things. Fly together, you know, share, the, share the charter. I, I would guess that they did not. Um, actually, I am pretty sure that I know that they didn't. It, it would be a, an interesting money-saving technique, but it would be, it would not be the most uh, amorous of flights, I don't think. Oh, that's that's a little too bad. A, a little bit uh, upsetting <laughs> and sad. Um, then on the on the other side of the regional, uh, you've got BU and Yale. Um, if you if you sort of piece this whole thing together. Uh, what, how do you expect to see the regional play out? Uh, what matchup do you expect to see on Saturday? And who do you think is, is headed uh, for potentially another trip back east uh, two weeks later? <laughs> well, uh, I would encourage anyone listening to go check out the, uh, the pieces that I've written for the Daily Gopher at www.thedailygopher.com. Uh, Good plug. Good plug. Uh, SB Nation uh, website, I should add. Yeah, and SB Nation site, so uh, your listeners should be familiar with our format and stuff. So um, hopefully everybody can come over and take a look at some of my work. Um, I've done a couple staffy pieces on it um, based on crates and possession and things like that. Uh, as for, for BU and Yale against each other, I just think BU is going to be too much for Yale. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm a big believer in strength of schedule, and Yale just is yucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They have a really good goal, but, but who have they, who have they played? Be. I'm sorry, can you just say that again? I said Yale is yucky, I think might be the quote of the show. 
Yeah, there you go. Their, their schedule is yucky. Um, I mean, I know they've got that, that crazy good goaltender, um, but just when I looked through their schedule, it was like, ah, oh, just nothing really impresses me there. I think they played Vermont when Vermont was, was ranked 10th, and that was like their, their big game of the year other than Harvard. So I just think BU's got a little too much offensive firepower that, that Yale hasn't experienced yet this year, and I think that'll be the difference. And I mean, BU plays some, some pretty guard, darn good defense themselves. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. looking looking at Duluth and Minnesota, I honestly Duluth's crate rating is a little better. Um, and when I when I kind of ran the numbers, they they came out on top more often. But in the in the three games that Duluth won against the Gophers this year, pretty much caught them at the perfect time, right at the beginning of a terrible stretch of hockey for the Gophers and right at the end of a terrible stretch of hockey for the Gophers. And um, I think the Gophers give a crap again, uh, which I'm not convinced that they did through December and, and January. That's um, a great – And so they're going to be – so, Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, the, the big storyline with the Gophers is that it really looked like they were going to miss the tournament for a while, which is just stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're starting right. to play like the, number, the team that was preseason number one again. I mean, you think about this team – they returned most of the key weapons from a team that went to the national championship game that just ran into a historically good union team, but otherwise it was an excellent team. They did win the regular mm-hmm. season title in the Big Ten, for what that's worth, which, hint, I don't think it's worth much. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, I, I don't think many people would disagree with you there. Yeah, and then they, but I think we'll get to that. it was impressive that they won the tournament title, even though it was against, you know, crap teams, because it shows that they have the ability to win big games with a lot on the line. And Michigan is not a bad team, you know, and they did get that win, and it was in Michigan. Um, right. So now, now they're starting to look like that number one team again. And so I think even though they're a three seed and, you know, the season-long ratings might not look great for them, I think you kind of have to throw that out a little bit and look at what the Gophers have been doing since February. For sure. I mean, they they, they should be a scary three seed. It, it really wouldn't matter what regional they fell into. They would be a scary three seed. Um like I said, a couple of things happened uh, kind of through the middle stretch of the year. One, they kind of started in November where they just they looked disinterested a lot of times playing the game. And, they're, I mean, they're a very talented team, but they're not so talented that they can just show up and beat anybody that comes on the ice against them. Um, and then shortly after that, Travis Boyd went down with an injury. Um, he's been just lights out for the Gophers this whole year. He's well over a point a game. And he was gone for, for seven of those games where they were really struggling. So I think that was a big part of it. And then that disinterest just kind of bled into December when they only played two games against Michigan State the first weekend, and then it was all of December off. You don't get back into action until after the uh, World Junior Classic and um, – or excuse me, the World Junior Championship. And um, it just <laughs> took them a little while to, to kind of get to get going the right way again. But now that they have, they, they've been – playing really impressive hockey lately. And when going into last weekend with the Big Ten tournament, it was desperation time for them because had they lost that first game against Ohio State in the semifinal, they, they probably would not be in the NCAA tournament now. Um, so as both those games were basically must win to know that you're in the tournament. And, and when that pressure was on them, they came out and, and they executed. Um, and if, it, if you're able to watch the two Big Ten tournament games that they played, Ohio State and Michigan actually put up really good performances in those games, too. Um, but Minnesota came out on top. So it was actually decent hockey in the Big Ten tournaments, even though the Big Ten regular season was uh, 
you know, very look. It was kind of ugly that stretches through the Big Ten season. Yeah, I mean, as a one co-host of this show pointed out, uh, all the Big Ten teams are in the same regional this weekend. Uh, this <laughs> happens at the regionals yeah. in New Hampshire. Um, so right. if if we were to talk about the Big Ten and big picture here for a second, uh, do mm-hmm. you think this one team thing is a, a a fluke? Do you think we're going to be back to good hockey next year, or uh, we sort of sliding down now? And maybe some people would like some decisions they made back. Well, here's the thing: it's it, the Big it's not Ten back. forced on us all. I mean. I think if you ask any one of the five programs that existed before Penn State became a varsity program, everyone would say we're happy where we're at. Um, but the Big Ten has a rule: if there are six varsity programs, you have to you have to play in the Big Ten conference. And so, I mean, who ultimately made the decision that created the Big Ten? It was Terry Pegula, and that <laughs> I mean that's where blame falls. Um, the execution since then has been less than stellar, I would say. Um, and right now, I mean, with Wisconsin being just awful, I mean, this is my yeah. favorite Wisconsin hockey season of all time. It, it's been wonderful to watch Wisconsin this year. Um, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. <laughs> I was looking at the preseason poll, and they were, like, number eight. <laughs> well, ludicrous. Like, that shows you how much stock you can put in the preseason polls because uh, wow. they brought nobody back um, at all. But, uh, I mean, so Wisconsin is horrible, but they might get better, I guess. Um Ohio State is kind of who Ohio State has always been. We don't really know what Penn State can be. Um, we know that Michigan State can rise to the top from time to time, but they haven't shown, you know, over the past 15, 20 years, any ability to, to stay up at the top. Yeah. Um, Michigan, you expect to, to be in the tournament again soon, and Minnesota is always there. So, I mean, you have, you have three teams that are legitimate NCAA contenders each year. You've got – one or two that will show up from time to time. And then Wisconsin, I don't know what's going to go on with Wisconsin. I, so you're going to have years where there's going to be two Big Ten teams in the NCAA tournament. Some years it's just going to be one. It just kind of depends on on the bottom of the league and especially how the league does out of conference. And uh, I, I think they were like one game below 500 out of conference um, between the six teams, something like that. And that's, and that's not a good way to get your teams into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, my own pet theory as to how Northeast, how uh, Minnesota fell into their slump is, you know, they lost to Northeastern, which triggered an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> did, did they not just beat BC the night before that, though? I they did. Well, they hammered BC. They looked oh, they great. did. I, I, left the, I left the arena thinking, you know what, I'm not that mad about this game because Minnesota is just fantastic, and I'll see them at the Frozen Four. And then the next night they lost to Northeastern, and that really – threw them for a loop. And, so, and then they lost to Merrimack in January, and I think that snapped them out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, wow, we yeah, bottomed out. I mean, yeah, it, it was a long bottom out. Though. I mean, it was a skid. When, when they went into the North Star College Cup um, and lost to, uh, who they lose to, Bemidji first and then and then Duluth second. Net. And, I mean, just look, they, they weren't going to the net. They weren't willing to carry the puck into the tough areas. They were just completely playing along the perimeter. And it just looked like they did not – they didn't care. And they've actually shown up better against good teams this year than they have against some of the the teams you would expect them to just walk walk away from with a victory like it, it was nothing. And that might have been what happened when it went – or when they went out east. Um, unfortunately, neither of those games were televised, I don't believe, and I wasn't able to watch either of those. 
But oh, don't worry. They were not the- televised, I promise, because we were we had plenty of Twitter conversations about that with some of the sane <laughs> and totally level-headed um, folks from your wonderful home state. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was probably one of them, but I was probably directing my anger at, at Comcast or Charter or whoever tilted wrong me at the time. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they show up against uh, against good teams and play really well, and then, you know, against teams where they expect to just show up and win, they, they struggle because that's exactly how they look through the middle part of the season. And I think that's, uh, you know, indic- indicative of a broader trend with college hockey, which is that there's really nobody that you can just show up and beat anymore. I think that a team like the Gophers, like BC, could have even seven or eight years ago shown up and whooped, you know, a Merrimack or yep. on BC's yep. end or, you know, for – I know that you know in the old WCHA, like a like a, like a Michigan Tech or something, or so someone that's down the bottom of the standings that you'd be able to beat. Um, and oh, not Michigan Tech, uh, like St. Cloud State, uh, someone like that. You know, yeah. you'd expect them to just kind of show up and beat them. And I think that a lot of these programs, first of all, have gotten better. The parity's increased, and so a team like Minnesota or a BC or a BU, they do need to bring it every night. And then I guess my last question for you, and we'll let you go, is. You know, and I'm not trying to to harp on the weakness of the Big Ten, but I mean, you you know it, I know it, the American people know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do, do you think the level of the competition that they've faced over the past, you know, two months or so, could be something that hurts them? You know, when they have to show up and really be ready to bring it in the tournament this weekend. No, I, I, that really doesn't concern me with this team. Um, just because the the way that they've played, I I don't feel like they're going to be unprepared. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them were here last year. A lot of them went to the national championship game last year. Um, they've just always kind of looked like the team that has been waiting for this tournament to get here, frankly. Um, so I think they're going to show up ready. I don't think that they're going to be at some sort of disadvantage because they played Penn State four times and Wisconsin four times. I mean, when the Gophers play Wisconsin, it is the biggest weekend for Wisconsin hockey of the year, you know what I mean? I, tell you what, I like, watched those games on TV. Those are great games, despite Wisconsin yeah. being objectively terrible. Um, the the one that yeah. was at the well, and despite the officiating being also terrible in those series, <laughs> just ridiculous, bad. But um, just wait but till yeah, you get so, hockey East go ahead. Just wait till you get hockey East refs, which I anticipate might happen in the Minnesota versus Duluth game. I will take anything that is not. A Big Ten referee at this time. I have had my oh, share watching Big that. Ten officiating. <laughs> I I will take it. I thought you I thought the were in the WCHA that. the refs were bad. It, it is just it's something else. The, the amount of the amount of grabbing that teams get away with is just shocking. You know the play where an offensive skater has the puck kind of against the wall. Defender comes up, sticks his own stick between the board and the player with the puck, and then wraps his body around. That is ridiculous, and it never gets called. And every team does it because it never gets called, but it is holding. And it happens so much in the Big Ten. And then, basically, if a player doesn't fall down in the Big Ten, it's not a penalty. So I will take hockey East. I don't know anything about hockey stress. Bring them on, in my opinion. It has to be better. You're well, going to regret the statement. <laughs> I hope you so quick. So one, five words or less in two weeks. I can't when, do this. Uh, ten, we'll give you ten more. <laughs> in two okay, weeks, seven. we're all getting together to talk about the Frozen Four. Minnesota will be dot 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 playing North Dakota, I think, in the uh, the national semifinal. 
Uh, uh, Shep doesn't like that. Oh, we have some tension here. <laughs> yeah, We're ending on it. tension. I gotta say this. Uh, <laughs> Eagle Nation, <laughs> right, we turn our lonely eyes to you, Minnesota. <laughs> Let's go, go. Yeah. yeah, like I said, they're they're a scary three seed, and uh, I, I think Boston will, will cruise through their first game. But whether it's Minnesota or Duluth, they're going to have a hell of a contest in the, the regional championship. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, he goes by the Dark Knight. It's Danny from the Daily Gopher. Check him out at thedailygopher.com, one of our sister sites on the SB Nation Network. And uh, Danny, maybe we'll have you back on. Uh, if we're talking Frozen 4 in a couple weeks and if your prediction comes true. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. It was fun. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Yep. Bye-bye. Dial over that? next. Two straight. Uh, I hear the phone ringing. What's up here? Uh, we're dialing in our next guest. Oh. Dial Could it be Joe Maloney? It will be Joe Maloney. All right. He's waiting to eat dinner until after this show, and we appreciate that. I hope he picks up. Or something? No. What happened? Go through. All right. Um, can you just, you know, send him a message and uh, tell him to dial in? Yeah. Okay. Well, while we wait for Joe Maloney to come on, let's just say, wow, we had two Western guests on this program and we survived. Um, we, we've still not yet had our great meeting of the minds between MN State of Hockey and BC Hockey Blog, which I think would be the greatest radio program of all time. Um, we can all have goals. I think that's a goal that we can gladly set. Um, I, I think, I'm not surprised by Danny's confidence, his very quick confidence statement that he thinks Minnesota will be in the first four. I think it's not a sentiment that will be shared by a lot of Easterners. Um, but Minnesota is certainly playing very, very well. Um, Wilcox being a huge part of that, with Minnesota only allowing about two goals a game down the stretch. And they've been playing really – they have been playing as well as anyone, you know, in the last couple of months. I should make a point here, but I'm trying to, to track down Joe. All right, so should I play some entertaining music while I, while we wait for Joe Maloney to appear? Um, I don't know. We should play entertaining music. Uh, let me see what I can do here. And then we to Dan Rubin uh, from BC Interruption Radio, who has our soundboard all set up with uh, these lovely um, sounds. It looks like we have a, we just got a message from Joe. Yep, and I screwed that up. Uh, what did you give him, the host call? I gave him the host number, so we're, we're sort of... Good work. This is what happens when you have a BU person on BC Interruption. Oh, that's how we're going to run this. It is how we're going to run this. This is what happens. Get up! This is how we're gonna to have to frame this. All right. So are we are we getting this sorted out or what? Uh, yeah, I'm getting this sorted out, and I'm gonna to have to apologize to him on the air because that's the type of thing. All right. Going you get this me. sorted out. I'm gonna run through some statistics. We that's a great idea. We mentioned the seeds and the advantages that the various seeds have had by traveling. I'd like to another factor, of course, is who has the hot hand. This is another post that you could read on bcinterruption.com. Uh, looked at uh, how teams have done since February 6th which was an arbitrary time that I picked because it was after the first round of the Beanpot. Um, in the East Regional, you have Miami is 10-4 and four in that span. Um, Denver is 8-4-1. and one. BC is 5-4-1. and one. And Providence is 6-4. and four. team with the best offense in that stretch has been Denver. The team with the best defense in that stretch by a significant margin has been Providence. And I think they've actually had the best defense of the 16-team field. 
Shifting over to the Northeast Regional, you know, BU has been 8-3-1 and one since the beginning of February. Duluth is 5-5-2. Five, five, and two. Minnesota's 11-3, and three, the best mark, uh, I believe, of any of the teams. 3-2. and two. Uh, And you're looking, okay, so BU by far has had the best offense at 4.42 goals per game in that stretch. Yale only allowing 1.73 goals per game. Um, so all sorts of good stuff. Uh, looks like we've got two callers on hold, and I think one of them might be Joe Maloney. Um, hello, Joe. This is Joe. Hey, Joe. Do we still have Shep, too? Shep? I'm here. I'm here. I had my yeah. I had my microphone muted. All right. We got Shep. We got, we got Joe. Uh, we, have another, we have another caller on the line, and I'm just going to um, say 203. Um, we'll, we'll pick you up here and say, who who, who do we have here on the line? With uh, they, us? they dropped out. They dropped out. Okay. They dropped out. All right. So we've got you, Joe Maloney. Thank you. Uh, we apologize for the delay. Uh, no problem. Joe is College Hockey News. He's been a great friend of the program, and we're going to talk through uh, some topics with, with Joe. So, uh, Shep, why don't you take it away a little bit here? Well, uh, as I sort of mentioned to you in a direct message no more than five minutes ago, uh, we're going to do a little little eulogizing tonight. Maybe it's a little early, and that's the order that, that we want to do that in. But, you know, we need to remember some Hockey East team seasons uh, that have uh, now come to a close this past weekend. We, we, we've done that so far. Um, we had Vermont, UNH, and Lowell end their years this year. Um, and so the way we usually do this is we give the little epitaph that is going to appear on their gravestone. Uh, and then make jokes about them. And then we say a few kind words. <laughs> They're not kind. They're very mean. So uh, who, who should we start with? Let's start with UNH. From, start right, let's from start the bottom. With what appears on their gravestone? Well, they made a run for it. Okay. I don't know that that's the best. No. Uh, I'm going to go with if only we had a goalie. They had a goalie, though. Did. It's true. Joe, do you have any uh, thoughts on what might appear on UNH's gravestone? I'm just going to say the cabinet's still empty. I mean, <laughs> once again, we have we, we have a UNH team that started to play well, um, started to get some results. Uh, I mean, what did they win? Eight games in a row before they lost, lost in the hockey semifinals, and once again, they came up short. Um, Dick Humilly has been there for a long time. Uh, it's not working. I think it might be time for them to uh, think about something else. What are the odds are that you think they actually do start thinking about something else? Do you think that's actually finally on the radar? No, not at all. Um, they've been in decline a bit. I mean, obviously, New Hampshire isn't going to the NCAA tournament every year like they did for so long. Um, you know, they're not winning the hockey's regular season. You know, they're their playoff collapses have been a little more predictable the last few years than they have been years prior. Uh, but there's no reason to fire him. Uh, the issue the situation with Casey DeSmith is the only behavioral problem they've had. Uh, that I can think of, there might've been something else that I'm forgetting, but it's the only time they've had any off ice issues to graduate mm-hmm. players. Uh, and they haven't been bad enough for long enough to warrant uh, his firing. But I mean, it's, you know, they're, they still aren't a team that's capable of winning a national championship ever, looking like they were going to be, you know, a contender of doing so for a very long time. Yeah. It's, it seems like uh, things aren't trending in the right direction. I mean, uh, now nah, I'm not going to bring up the point I just made there. So, so never mind. Uh, I was, I was going nowhere. <laughs> and I'm sorry for that. Move on to Vermont. <laughs> All right. So for Vermont, I've uh, got, we almost ruined BC's season, but we didn't. 
Uh, for Vermont, uh, we were almost good, but we weren't. Yeah, for me, it's going to be like a told you so. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they that. went through the first half. They were, you know, beating – they were beating bad teams. They were doing it handily. They were doing it convincingly. And then they started playing the better teams in the conference, and they fell apart. Um, like you said, they were almost a good team. They were perfectly all right. Uh, Kevin Sennon did a good job with a relatively shallow roster, especially up front. Um, but they just weren't able to sustain it against the best teams. And, you know, but they saw they obviously they took two out of huh? – How could you say that a shallow roster when they had two privateras? That's some bench. <laughs> I know. And, 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 and one of them knocked BC out of the hockey East tournament. So I mean, oh, I know. <laughs> I was there. But I mean, in general, they just didn't. They didn't have it. Um, they're they're losing a lot of key players. They have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to. I mean, they finished seventh, so how well did they really do? But um, I have a hard time thinking they're going to be as good as they were this year. And I don't think they were that good. So we'll, we'll see how next year plays out for them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we 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 proceed. I believe at this point to Lowell. Um, the I, I, before we get into a full full eulogy here, you know, I mean, uh, Lowell's not in the tournament. Uh, they have uh, it. It almost seems weird given how they've been trending under Norm. Um, and we're, we're I, I, I kind of miss them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick some sort of epitaph here, uh, we don't lose to UMass. That's probably a good one. <laughs> Joe, I know that one probably digs at your heart, but I think it's probably not inaccurate. Well, and it's not only that. Not only is it don't lose to UMass, but it's also if you are going to lose to UMass, don't also go 0-5 combined against BU and Providence. You know, that th- those two things were what did them in, and if they had changed one or the other, they would be playing for sure this weekend if they flipped any of those results. So, Right, uh, and it's it- – it's funny because I certainly understand a lot of Wolf fans. I mean, I'm sure you guys have both read uh, that wonderful oh, we'll piece of writing that, that, uh, that we'll appeared that. in the Wolf song yesterday. But um, ignore the bad losses to bad teams. Those happen. When, when you're in good teams, sometimes you have slip-ups. Mm-hmm. Wolf didn't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament this year. They just didn't. They lost too many games that they needed to win. I mean, obviously you win the Hockey's Championship, you're in. But, you know, you go back to the beginning of the season. I mean, or earlier, or a little bit later, I mean, they lost us to UConn, lost us to Merrimack. And, yeah, in some of those games, they, you know, they didn't really get all played. They were a little bit unlucky. The game against Merrimack, I think they out-attempted them. I think it was 95-49 to 49 or something like that. Um, so, you know, how those things are going to happen. But, I mean, they just – they didn't get some bounces. Their penalty kill, I think – I think Kevin Boyle's – Save percentage on the penalty kill for about a month was a 667. Uh, <laughs> those things aren't going to get you into the NCAA tournament. You do it for that long, you don't deserve to be there. For sure. And I think that, you know, I think Lowell was a scary team that nobody would have wanted to play if they made it. I kind of thought they were going to be a tougher fight in the hockey spot. I thought they were going to win. I, I thought they had a damn good chance of winning. I didn't necessarily yeah. think they were going to win, but I certainly thought they had a good chance, especially given the desperation factor. And you know, you know, I think that if you're just saying which is one of the which are the 16 best teams, you know, you'd put Lowell in that. But you're right, they didn't do right. it. Right. You had, if you look at, for instance, and so we will mention, you know, uh, Dennis 
Uh, what's the gentleman's last? Dennis Witten, the sports editor of the Lowell Sun. Uh, you will learn a lot more about the piece that Dennis wrote tomorrow on VCInterruption.com. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's very bad that the pairwise rankings are a thing, I guess, because he doesn't understand them, and he doesn't like that they left his team out. Um, but, I mean, so BC and Lowell had practically identical records in conference play, if you include the conference tournament. Um, but BC had a win on the road at BU. They had a win on the road at Denver. They had a win against Michigan. And they split against Harvard. You know, Lowell lost and to they Harvard. didn't lose to UMass. And they did not lose to UMass, although they did lose to UConn, although so did Lowell. <laughs> right. Um, and to me, that I mean, that's really the difference if you look at you know the quality win bonus, which I know, again, those damn computer nerds and their quality win bonus. But I, I think it's quite clear that – well, it's not quite clear because it was close. You know, they were close, and it was very tight, and one game swing either way could have changed it for a lot of these teams. But BC right. had a slightly better season than Lowell did. You know, it's pretty much indisputable. I think the same can be said for Providence. And I think Lowell mm-hmm. players all feel the same way. If they had, you know, they if it flipped one of those games, they'd be playing, and they just were right. a tick behind. And, it, and it's too bad because I really do think that they would have been a really threatening team if they had made it to the NCAA's. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly have the experience, and I mean, they've demonstrated over the last you know, three years before this that they're not a tough out in these situations. Um, but the one thing they've had in those three years is high-quality goaltending, and this year Kevin yeah. Boyle was he was all right, which is, you know, if you're an all right college hockey player, that's good. There are a lot of very bad college hockey players, for example. Kevin Boyle we saw in Amherst two years prior to last. Um, but, I mean, the thing that frustrated me most about that column was just like, and I pointed this out on Twitter, the, the column that uh, I think his name's Jim Donaldson wrote two years ago uh, when Providence didn't get into the NCAA tournament, he he made this mistake too. Lowell was not only not in the tournament; they weren't even the next team in the tournament. And yeah. It, it, it just, yeah. I mean, in it, addition it, to, I was thinking about the whole smoke-filled room idea that you know there should be some leeway instead of strict right. to the players. And you know what? I have to say, with all due respect to Lowell, which is a great hockey program that I have so much respect for, uh, and I really mm-hmm. do. Jane. Um, in fact, I think it might be the only Hockey East team other than BC that I actually genuinely like. Um, <laughs> I like. I like Providence, too. Uh, and I kind of have a thing for Northeastern, but I also hate them in a different way. So we'll say, you know, my feelings for Lowell, <laughs> my feelings for Lowell are positive. Um, but <laughs> um, if, you, if there were a smoke-filled room aspect to pick in the tournament, Lowell is not going to benefit from that. I think if you look at no. who is going to benefit from that, you know, if they had to pick one of those last teams that were floating near the bubble, I think a committee yeah, might have went with Michigan. Without question. I mean, like, yeah. that's the problem. And, and when we just went through this in the NCAA basketball tournament, I mean, the last team into the tournament from everything I read was UCLA. Now, granted, they managed to get to the Sweet 16. But what most people were saying was the only reason they were picked over whoever the other teams were is because it's UCLA. Um so if and if the beauty of college hockey and yeah. the beauty of the system that we have is that it allows a school like Lowell to compete, just like any mm-hmm. other. The 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 BC has advantages when it comes to facilities and recruiting, but when it comes right. to on the ice, they have equal opportunity to prove themselves on the ice. Lowell does, and it's, they don't need to impress pollsters. They don't need to impress a committee. You know, they need to just win games against the teams that they need to beat. And that's what's great yeah. about it for a school like Lowell. If, if anyone, a BC or a Michigan or whatever, needs to complain about wanting to have more, you know, of a um, subjective bias inserted into the system. So, um, you know, poor, yeah. poor job 
And the other thing that was really poor form, and we'll, we'll totally get into ripping this shred tomorrow, so I don't want to steal too much of the thunder. But he, oh, there's but, so much thunder to have. Oh, there's so much thunder. But he derisively says in the column, like, Nebraska, Omaha, question mark. And all I could think of was, right. yeah, I mean, who would invite a non-flagship state university who their only sport is hockey <laughs> to the tournament? Like, what? It's not even a directional, you guys. I know. It's not even a directional. <laughs> And we got Minnesota yeah. Duluth up here too. Anyway, to, reading that. to be fair, um, <laughs> I have seen very few actual Lowell fans share this sentiment of this writer. There have been right. some on there that have piped up, but you know the serious Lowell fans like, seem to get it, and so I'm not ripping them. I'm just well. Ripping. The problem with saying that is Marty Meehan was quoted in the article. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> and Marty I, Meehan. Is, I, you know what, Marty Meehan. <laughs> you, he is empowered by the Commonwealth to do a job for the University of, of Massachusetts. <laughs> in theory, right. should be academic in nature, and so I don't care if he doesn't understand how the pairwise rankings work. Um, it is the job, I think, of a sports editor covering the most important sports team in Lowell to know how it works. Mm-hmm. No, I, I you agree with you. It, and that's all we'll say about that. Let's talk about teams that are in the tournament. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, let's do Joe, that. there are three Hockey East teams in the tournament. Yes. How yes. many are there going to be? Well, at the, at the most, there'll be two left at the end of the weekend. So it's kind of a dumb mm. question. But how are they going to do this? <laughs> um, the way I've looked at it, um, I think Boston University is going to come out of that regional. Um, the way Jack Eichel's been playing, he's one of the few players, I'd say even more so than Johnny Gaudreau, who can win a game by himself. Um, we saw in certain circumstances last year against the better teams, Gaudreau wasn't able to do it on his own. If you look at the, the wins they had in the tournament before, uh, uh, looking at looking at that game against Lowell specifically, that was very much a team win for Boston College last year. Um, I think Ian McCaution scored the game-winning goal. I'm pretty sure Ryan Fitzgerald had a goal in that game. Um, but with Jack Eichel this year, I mean, I think it's they're plus 75 in all situations when he's on the ice, and they're minus 11 when he's not. Um, when Jack do you Michael's think he can beat Minnesota like by himself? You know, do, aren't they going to need a team effort to beat a Minnesota or a North Dakota? Or um, they need a team effort in in terms of defending, and they've done that. They've done a pretty good job of that. That their bottom six, I wouldn't call it good, but they've done a very good job of defending. Um, and and, and the last handful of games, so I, I think they can keep some teams quiet, um, especially in, with a team like Minnesota. Just the way that they've been playing this year, I just don't trust their goaltending. Uh, Adam Wilcox hasn't had the season that he had last year. He's had, I mean, an objectively bad year for a goaltender of his quality. And then you look at a team like Minnesota Duluth. They're really – I don't know what to make of them. I just don't. They – I think all their numbers are good, but they've struggled <laughs> a lot. They've lost a lot of games that, that a team like that just shouldn't lose. Um, they have a freshman goalie experience factor comes into play, but I, I just think BU is – I don't think there's a team in that regional that's necessarily better than BU. I think they're, I think all three of those teams can beat BU. I think a lot of people are overlooking Yale. and They don't deserve that. I'm um, overlooking Yale. I've overlooked Yale. <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, hope BU doesn't excuse. overlook Yale. Let's hope yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Just you. Like, like the frequency with which this, Yale has... Pin it on the, bull bo- put, put it on the billboard, Yale. Put, put it up on the bulletin <laughs> board. Everyone's overlooking you. BU's overlooking yeah. you. <laughs> it could be like in the, They've allowed more than two goals, I think, 
four times in the second half, five times maybe. I mean, and again, it's been, you know, against Brown and Princeton, but they just don't allow a lot of goals. They don't allow, they don't allow a lot of shots. They play very low event hockey. Not much happens in their games. If you look at shot totals from even a team like Harvard that puts a lot of pucks on net, Yield does a really good job of suppressing shots. Uh, they play a system. They do a very good job of kind of <coughs> forcing teams to play to one side of the ice, taking away any kind of uh, a reverse you can make on, on the play. It's a, they're they're a very well coached team. I think they can do it, but I, I I do think in the end it will it will be VU coming out of the Northeast. That's a, I like this a lot. Um, I like the Minnesota I, guy better. I I like this guest the most. It's been it's been pretty great. Um, what about <laughs> if we uh, swing down to to Providence and where you've got uh, Providence and DC both in the regional against uh, Miami mm-hmm. and Denver respectively? Um, yeah. How do you think that one's uh, that one's going to play out? Do you think that's maybe the I mean, sort of percentage wise, there's it's fifty percent hockey East team, so it's probably the best <laughs> chance to get a hockey East team into the Frozen Four. But do you think that and there's it's a Miami chance for the against hockey the hockey East team? Why is it? Oh, so you might as well just, you might as well just forget about Miami altogether. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you for accepting <laughs> that position. You're the first guest of the night for taking that position. Thank the only reason I'm actually taking it now is because Miami's going to be with O'Reilly Barber and Blake Coleman. And when you're missing your first and second leading goal scorers, and you have to play John Gillies, I mean, that's just a really bad, really bad mix for them. Um, it's Miami. It's Rico Blasi. They can certainly get by Providence. Um, but I think Providence gets by them just because, you know, when you're you're missing your two best goal scorers against one of the best goalies college hockey's seen in the last 10 years, it's it's not going to be an easy task for them. Providence doesn't score goals either. Um, and Jay Williams is no slouch himself. So, you know, it, it, we're likely to see a very low scoring game on, uh, on, on Saturday. But it, I mean, I just, I, I think Providence gets through. I think BC loses to Denver. And I think Denver wins that regional. I like him. So you're not really going to as soon as the uh, as, as soon as the field was released, I said, I, as of right the second it was released, I said, as of right now, I think Denver's going to win the national championship. Um, so. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to think that even if they advance to the Frozen Four, we'll see how the regionals play out. But I, I think BC is going to be pretty well, pretty badly overwhelmed by this Denver team. Well, do you really think that? Because really, BC has not been overwhelmed by anyone except Minnesota. You know they've played no. really close games against everyone. They've just you know they've not they haven't had the goal scoring to pull them out. But I I'd be shocked if it wasn't a mm-hmm. really close game this weekend. I'd right, be completely stunned. Right, but think back to some of those BC wins. You know, in the between let's say 2006 and 2012 when they were you know when they were winning the national championship every other year. How many games did they have where they won it two nothing three one and it could the scoreboard might as well have said twenty five to nothing. Uh, they do a very. Know. I'm just saying, those BC teams did a very good job of kind of squeezing the life out of games and then getting that eventual goal that put it away. Think back to the national championship game in 2012. That was a three to one game until Gaudreau made it four one. But I think it was two to one, and then they got an empty netter for the fourth. Um, but it really wasn't a two to one game. Ferris State had no chance in that game. And well, I think Denver this game might be two one three one, but I, I have a hard time thinking BC is going to be able to sustain. Uh, the offense and the pressure against that Denver team uh, enough to put one by uh, Tanner Gillette. 
that's reasonable. I think I would agree with that, that Denver's going to control the game. I just definitely would not agree with the idea that BC is not going to be in it. You know, I think, I think they're going to be in it. I think it'll be a one-goal game until late in the third. And, and you know, if you want to mm-hmm. – Denver controlling the game wouldn't surprise me, but I just definitely would disagree with anyone who'd say that Denver's going to win by three or four goals or something like that. I, I just oh, no. can't see it happening. Yeah. I don't think – forgive me. I, I don't think they're going to win by three or four goals either. I, I just don't think that – when I say overwhelm them, I just I don't think BC is going to have the puck, and I don't think BC BC is going to be able to sustain the offensive pressure uh, enough to really test them enough to score as many goals as they're going to need to win. So you're looking at a situation where it might be a three-one-two-one game, but it's not going to be as close as that. I mean, to think back to some of the the ways the ways that Lowell has won games in regionals, they won them one or two to nothing. Sure, but the other the no, other game was over as soon as they scored. But look, I think Den- I think Denver's going to win, which I, I'm, I'm spoiling our bracket picks, which we're going to sign off with. Um, <laughs> we are going to run through our brackets. And you should enter our bracket pool, which you can find the link to at BC Interruption. We'll tweet it out on at Eastern Bias and at BC, at BC Interruption tonight again. Um, which website is that through? Uh, we run it in-house. Oh, it, good. This is a like legit operation. Yeah, it's a legit in-house. We have a great scoring system, which we'll, we won't explain in depth because it's, you know, a little too complicated. For people. Oh, I didn't know this was rigged. It's not rigged. <laughs> I can tell you why it's not rigged. It's because random people from Grant's workplace at at a bank in Connecticut who don't watch hockey won last year. Um, which is really not that hard. What's that? Nothing. Sorry, I made a bad joke. Continue. That's it's worth right. it. Um, so... Where was I? Oh, yeah, I will say this. You know, I think Denver's going to win the game. I do. You know, and I, I hate to say that because I'd like to think that BC is going to win. I think I give them mm-hmm. like a 20% chance or maybe 20 to 30% chance. Uh, it's mm-hmm. certainly not a possibility. But I will say this, and maybe this is homerific, but I think if they do beat Denver, I think they have a path where they can make a little bit of a run. You know, not that they can win the national championship, but they can make it to the frozen floor and maybe, maybe a step past that. I, I, I do think that there is the possibility for that. Because I think that if they play Providence, which I think Providence is going to beat Miami, BC could absolutely beat Providence. I I agree with you completely. I mean, I, I said, and I mean, I'll, I'll say this every single year. I, you know, on ZHN, we make picks. There are 15 teams in this tournament that I think can win the national championship. Um, so, RIT, what do you think, Yale can't? Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think RIT can. But I'm just, you know, teams go on runs, and I was just having a conversation uh, with someone about this, where I don't think the team that wins this tournament is the best team in the country. Sometimes it works out that it is the best team in the country, like last year with Union, um, 2012 with BC. But 2011, the best team in the country was North Dakota by a mile. And of course, the difference this year, though, to... is there is no clear-cut best team in the country, regardless of who exactly. Right. I think I think but BU it, can know... stake their claim for that if they do make a run and win. I think that it would be clear that they were the best team. And I think that would probably Especially with who they're going to have to go through in the regional to get there. Sure. And I think that would be the case with Minnesota State, too. I think that there's a lot yeah. of doubters, myself included, because of how crappy their conference is. Um, mm-hmm. But if they go out and win these four games to add that to the great stats that they've had all year, then I think they've yeah. taken their clearly the best team, too. But, you know, there's no clear, clear, clear-cut favorite going. I'd say BU is a slight favorite, but only by a little bit. Yeah. For, for me, with Minnesota State, the way in, the manner in which they've handled Michigan Tech kind of suggests to me that they are a cut above most of like the rest of that league. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, with I that think too. I don't know how much that's yeah. worth. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think they're 4-0-1 against Michigan Tech this year. Uh, Michigan Tech is a team that, even though I, I think the record uh, kind of flatters them a bit, um, they're a very difficult team to beat, even when they're not playing as well as they want to. They're not easy to score on. They're a very structured team. Kind of like a low light, if you will, because they just don't have the talent Lowell does. That's a good way to put it. Well, mm-hmm. Joe, I, I know that you um you were putting off dinner to join us, and I appreciate that. You're fine. Wait, wait, wait. Last question. What is for dinner? Um, well, I my lovely girlfriend, uh, who is back in the United States for a month after six months in England, concocted some strange, lovely sausage pasta dish. And she also <laughs> comes to this and Please don't tell me it's British food, because this might be the last time we hear from Joe Malone. <laughs> it's not. It's uh, some strange concoction. And, Chef, you'll be very happy to know she is a BU alum. I, I think that that's the best thing in the world, and I hope your relationship lasts forever. And uh, it's great and happy, because every relationship involving BU alum should. Uh, uh, yeah, you know. I'm going to vomit. I'm going to go vomit all over my computer. I've done a great service to PCinterruption.com. <laughs> no, no lie right here. This is what I've And, done. Joe, for, uh, just one more thing that you'll love about her. Uh, she's also an Arsenal supporter. That's fine. You know, it would be different if it was, you know, Manchester United. I think then I would actually be upset. I'd also be surprised. All right, gentlemen. All right, Joe. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Joe. I'll see you in in Providence this weekend, Joe. Absolutely. All right, man. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So that was Joe Maloney. We have one of his CHN colleagues, I believe, on the line with us now. Chris, is that you? Yes, it is. How are you guys? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm wonderful. So why don't you introduce our guest here, Shep? Oh, is this, is this my job? Uh, we have uh, uh, Yale alum, I believe. Uh, and no, a, no, no. <laughs> oh, you're not an alum? Why did we think you were an alum? Somebody said uh, you were an alum. I'm from Connecticut. <laughs> you know what? Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, Chris Boulay, uh, if we get this more right, uh, if we just read his Twitter bio... Things he tweets about are the Saints, uh, Liverpool, the NHL. Oh, we just we're doing a, an Arsenal Liverpool guest back to back, and college hockey. Sports are fun. Views are his own. He's in Dorchester. I'm just going to read Twitter bios from now on because that's the better route to do this. <laughs> um, we brought him on ostensibly to talk about Yale and stuff like that because he seems interested in the Ivy League and the ECAC, but also college hockey in general. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's there's some games this weekend, as you may have heard. Uh, what excites you the most uh, across the board? Um, I mean, I think – I mean, I'm excited about the Yale-BU game, but I think that – I think that the Providence Regional is probably what I'm looking at as, as what's the most interesting to me, despite the fact that I'm going to be glued to um, Manchester as well. That's a that's a fair thing. So, uh, when you look at the Yale BU game, uh, and and Joe just on a minute ago was sort of, was sort of talking about how he he doesn't think that might be as much of a wash as most people like me think it could be. <laughs> it's going to be a wash, but you know you got to be the good homer. Um, and I've been a homer for the past half hour. Um, <laughs> it, shoot, I lost my train of thought making jokes about myself. This is a terrible bit of radio. Um, well, when when you look at the game, you know. How do you think Yale can get an advantage against a, a pretty good BU team, certainly led by one strong player? And, and where do you, where do you, how do you think Yale could, could 
create an upset there? Well, I mean, first off, Yale is obviously the underdog here. I mean, there's no question about it. BU is, I mean, BU rightfully won the um, Hockey East tournament. They won the regular season. They're an absolutely legit one seed, and they should be a tournament favorite. Yale is, I mean, as you can see, they have a history of um, of screwing that up for everyone in the tournament. And they have a, a defense that is, I mean, the best it's the best defense in the country with goals allowed uh they're one um my count i think you guys said like 1.7 something before but i have 1.59 but regardless it's really good and i <laughs> they i mean alex lyon is one of the best one of the best goalies in, in the nation you can argue i'm not going to argue it but cuz he doesn't play enough games um but he's 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 up there as one of the best goalies in the nation and their their defense, I mean, you've got Rob O'Gara, the Bruins pick, um, Ryan Abikowski, Mitch Wittick, Nate Rapensky. They're all very, very good. Rapensky, the freshman, is was an absolute pleasant surprise this year. So if if they can go and shut down Eichel or at least at, at least neutralize that, that, that top line, which isn't an easy ask, they have a legitimate shot at it. Tough him. task. Hey, that's all they have to do? That's yeah, it. yeah, just yeah, that's it. Just yeah, prevent um, prevent hell from breaking loose, and they'll be fine. <laughs> oh man, I could do that. I could do that. That's easy. Um, we have some tweets <laughs> rolling in from our friends at Bay State Road Sports. Uh, tweet number one: Tell him Yale sucks. Do you have a response to that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, tell him Yale won't score a goal. Uh, Do you have a response to I that? Mean, that uh, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility, but oh, that's a great. I response. think they probably will. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and predict right now that Yale will score a goal, maybe even two. Is this another Eastern bias? You know what? Hold on, hold on, wait for it, wait for it. I should have been ready. Do we have the bell, or do you have a better sound? <laughs> yeah, here we go. Eastern bias guarantee. Yale. Bring that bell. Yale will score against BU this weekend. Oh, we're getting more tweets rolling in. This is this is the beauty of a live show. Well, you got uh, to read the tweets, but I'm telling you, Yale will score, and they will lose. Those are challenge. two things that I can say with certainty. <laughs> All right, go on to the tweets. Uh, tell him shutting down Eichelzilla is impossible, also from Bay State Road Sports. Um, do, do you think shutting down Eichelzilla is impossible? If you had to create uh, a fictional monster... <laughs> Yes, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, if you had to create a fictional monster with Jack Eichel as sort of the head here, what sort of fictional monster would you create? Um, <laughs> what was that? Like? What? <laughs> this is dropping off rapidly. Uh, we have another. I'm going to interrupt this because it's stupid, and we have eight minutes left of the show. Uh, we appreciate the contributions of most of our Twitter contributors. Uh, we really appreciate that, but we're going to skip ahead here. Um, I think it's noteworthy, um, and I know that people get mad if you compare Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Eichel. And I'm not just saying just view people. I think BC people too, and whatever. It's going to become like a Beatles Rolling Stones sort of thing. Um, but whatever. I think it's noteworthy from a BC perspective. I look at it as the 2012 BC team, which Johnny Gaudreau certainly was a part of, um, but not the whole team 
they won the national championship. I think in 2013 and 2014, they really relied on Gaudreau. And they had other great players, too, with him. But it was mostly Gaudreau's brilliance that spurred them to being a successful team. And neither time, you know, they won the national championship. Now, the flip side to that argument is both times they ran into Union, which is basically their kryptonite. Um, and there is no Union out there, I don't think. You know, there's no team built quite like Union in this field. Um, but I think it's noteworthy that, you know, if you expect one guy to go all the way to the national title, uh, I don't think Jeff Cycle can do it by himself. I think that maybe against Yale he can. You know, uh, I will ring the bell here. I think, you know, against Yale, um, Jack Eichel probably will win the game. Probably could beat Yale literally all by himself. That's an Eastern bias guarantee. Um, but I don't know if, you know, just counting on Jack Eichel to do Jack Eichel things is going to be enough for them to beat Minnesota. Uh, I think they have the ability for other players to step up, and they're certainly going to need that if they're going to if they're going to go all the way. Anyone? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what do you think? Uh, I, I think I think that they will need a little bit more, but I think Eichel can bring uh, a lot to the table, and that's I, I think as as those numbers have have proven that that Joe was talking about earlier, um, Joe Maloney. So we get our Joes correct here. Um, uh, you know, there, there's Eichel is certainly the driving force on this team. And they're they're going to need a lot of him to uh, to make a difference here. How how was that? Did I do well there? Did I bring it together there? Did I answer everything <laughs> properly? I get nervous sometimes. I think you did a good job. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's let's just put it this way: if a miracle happens and Yale wins, which they won't, they, they won't, <laughs> they won't. But let's pretend. What will have happened in the game that will allow Yale to have won? And don't say like they scored more goals than BU. No, I mean uh, Yale ends up winning two to one. There's a million shots on both sides, and uh, Alex Lyon turns into that brick wall in that in Wayne Gretzky hockey. <laughs> That's a very specific reference, and I like it. <laughs> and it, I think it sets up well here for what Yale needs out of this weekend. Uh, or well, specifically out of Friday, you know, I mean, it would seem tough so, to see. Well, well, we won't even bother with the whole Yale versus Minnesota predictions and preview. We'll, you know what? If, if if it comes to it, we'll have a special edition of the show and bring him back on. Um, <laughs> while we have you, and before we let you go, before we wrap up, there is another. Well, there's two other ECAC entrants: Harvard and Quinnipiac. I don't really care about Quinnipiac, but I, I am curious as to what you think about Harvard. I have a sneaky feeling that they might have a chance to get out of their region. I do too. They are um, play. They're they're absolutely playing their best hockey at at, at this point. I mean, what even when before they got injured, not sucking. I don't know. I've I've been watching them all season, and it was kind of spectacular watching them fall from grace the way that they were. But they um in that Brown series. Um, getting Blackwell back was um, the thing that I, I noticed that was really spectacular to watch because nobody thought that Blackwell would be going and being as impressive as he was immediately. It seemed like he was never off the ice and it seemed to uh, light a fire under him. And they they took off from there, obviously won the ECAC title, um, tournament title, and they can. Um, they're just going to be. They're, they're going to be an absolute pain on both ends of the ice for anybody that plays them. 
That sounds about right. So uh, we will let you go. Uh, we greatly appreciate you joining us tonight. Sorry, it got so rough there for a few minutes. That was my fault. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I'm used to it. <laughs> it was all Shep's fault, as usual. All right. Take care, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. Thank you. All right, so we made it through all of our guests. That was a lot. We had a lot of guests. We did. Uh, If any of you out there do want to call in and join us, feel free to do so. You have a little bit of time to get on. Uh, Our number is 646-200-0446. But I think we're going to wrap this thing up uh, with some of our own thoughts. We've got 12 minutes. We usually run down the games to come and which ones will be on TV. Well, you know what games are coming up. They will all be on TV. Well, sort of. ESPN three or ESPN three, which kind of counts. But let's we 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 generally don't make predictions on this program because a it's boring and b we're bad at it. Oh, I'm terrible at this. But it is tournament time, and I think it's time that we have to do it. So Shep, do you want to read through the bracket, or do you want me to do it? I shall read through the brackets. Um, Let's go regional by regional, and let's go ahead and make our picks. Make our picks as we do each region. All right, we begin. Uh, on the upper left-hand corner of the official NCAA bracket with the South Bend Regional, which, a side note, probably going to backfire pretty hard. Uh, we have uh, Minnesota State against RIT, the overall number one versus the Atlantic Hockey uh, auto bid. Um, we're giving some love to Atlantic Hockey for all the people out there who asked. Uh, that, that is uh, a Friday game. Or no, that is a Saturday game at 4 o'clock on ESPNU. Who do you think will win that game? Easy, Mankato. Yeah, Minnesota State. Um, then we also we have after that at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN3 on Saturday, uh, we have Omaha versus uh, Harvard. Uh, Harvard, I, I think, comes out there. So we've got, we've got Harvard, uh, Minnesota State, which is, that's going to be on Sunday at 7.30 on ESPNU. Um, hmm. I, mean, I think I'm going to be a homer and take Harvard there. Um, but the, that's, that's the Minnesota State test, isn't it? This is where we start seeing if this is real or not. It's going to be a really fascinating game. Um, the the Harvard-Minnesota State game that I assume we're going to see. Because Minnesota State's an older team. They're a big team. Um, and they're a team that's you know done it against kind of a weak conference. Uh, Harvard, on the other hand, I think at this point we all have to admit that the XEZAC is uh, quite deep. And uh, you know, certainly needs to be respected. Harvard's more of a skilled team. They're a faster team. They're a younger team. Uh, and it's going to be a clash of styles. And part of that, I think, frightens me a little bit away from picking Harvard because I think you know they're they might not be used to playing a team like Minnesota State. Um, and it, it, it has the potential to be sort of a Union versus BC type of deal. Uh, but I am going to pick Harvard. I think that they're they're hot right now. I think that um, they certainly are playing their best at the best time of year. Their offense is really clicking, and I think Minnesota State might be taking a little bit of back by the speed. I think Harvard's a very fast team. They were they were noticeably much faster than BC in both both of the games that they played them. Which granted, this year is not you know that difficult to do. Um, and so even though on paper Minnesota State is the better team, uh, I think I'm going to say Harvard squeaks by them and pulls it off. Okay. Um, so we proceed then down the bracket to the, uh, we'll call it the groove of death. This is your Providence regional uh, on Saturday at six 30. Uh, well, actually we'll start with the, with the early game uh, on ESPN two at 3 PM on Saturday, we have Denver against BC. Um, probably the, the, one of the tightest games in the bracket. Um <sighs> 
I don't want to be a total homer and like pick against BC here. Um, I think I'm going to take. I'm going to let you pick first and then I'm going to step in. Yeah, I'm going to pick Denver. You're going to pick Denver? I'm going to pick Okay. Uh, I, I hate to say it because I think that. I like this year's BC team. I really do. I think that, you know, they're limited in what they have. They're limited in, in, you know, in terms of the junior and senior classes production. I think the senior class is only combined for like 44 points in the season, um, despite being a pretty big class. Um, but they, but they've continued to put in the effort and put in the work and they've gotten better week to week. And, and I do feel like if they had gotten a slightly more favorable first round matchup, they could have made a run to the frozen four. And I think that if they do manage to somehow have Demko stand on his head and steal the game against Denver, they absolutely are capable of making a run to the Frozen Four. That said, I can't go full home. I mean, before the bracket came out, I kind of thought Denver was the team to beat. And I can't just back away from that just because they're playing my team, you know, and go full home. I think Denver's a really good team, and I think that Denver wins that game. Okay, so I feel fine taking Denver then. I, I will pick Denver uh, to advance to Sunday. The other game, which will be at 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU, uh, or sometime thereabout, uh, will be Miami, Ohio against Providence. I, I'm going to take Providence in there um, with the home game, uh, Miami, Ohio being down, and the Hockey East narrative. I, I think that's a problem. Are we ever going to disagree on any of these? I take Providence too. <sighs> We're going to have to disagree at some and point. I think I'm going to enjoy rooting against Miami of Ohio. Uh, this weekend because they seemed like a quite dislikable team from uh, what I saw of them. Good. So we've so got Denver. This regional final, Denver versus Providence. I'm taking Denver. Uh, I think certainly Providence has the home ice advantage and they have Gillies, but again, I think Denver is just a deep team, a stout team, uh, and a well-coached team. I think they go to Frozen Four. I could pick against you here, but I think Denver as well. I, I don't think I've seen it. Seen enough Providence this year to say, eh, not quite yet. Um, so I think I think I'll take Denver, uh, even though John Gillies is amazing. In America. So we got six minutes left. So let's quickly move on to the next one. Yes, we can get up there. It's about uh, time. Let's just get to the. All right, we're we're going to Manchester uh, on Friday. Uh, BU Yale. BU. Uh, BU. Good. I have that. Funny, I have that same thing. Uh, then your late game at five thirty. Uh, we have Minnesota Duluth. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. So that gives us BU Minnesota. Uh, my pick should be obvious here. It's BU. Um, my your pick, pick is Minnesota. Oh, we got some difference. Yeah, we got some difference. I think Minnesota, to me, on paper, you know, we talked about how there's not a clear on paper best team in the country, but I think there kind of is, and it's Minnesota, but they underachieved for a lot of the season. Uh, they're the deepest and most talented team. Uh, I think that they absolutely can beat BU. It's going to be hard for them to do that because it's in BU's backyard, which, as we've seen, makes a huge difference in these things. And BU has the best player in the in the country. Um, so it would not surprise me, if, you know, for this game to go either way. Certainly would not surprise me if BU won the whole thing. But I do think Minnesota is coming into their own. And if it's not an illusion, um, based on the weakness of the Big Ten, they're going to make a run for it. So I'm picking Minnesota there. So then we to the uh, to the bottom in the Fargo Regional, uh, you've got North Dakota Quinnipiac. That's on Friday at 8 p.m. Um, Eastern. Uh, North Dakota, I think, is is the obvious picture. Here's my curveball, my curveball of the month. I am picking Quinnipiac. In that oh, we got a wild card based on literally nothing but a hunch that uh, North Dakota might take them lightly, uh, playing at home 
And Quinnipiac, I think, is actually a pretty decent team, too, if you look at possession numbers and things like that. Um, so I think they can definitely steal one. North Dakota is clearly the better team, but I'm just going to kind of play a hunch there and pick the Q. So that leaves us with Michigan Tech, St. Cloud State. Um, that's going to be on ESPN3 on uh, Friday. I'll take Friday. Michigan Tech, but I just I don't care about that. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't watch that game if it was on TV. Here's the thing. North Dakota is winning the regional. I don't really care who they're playing. Either. Well, I'm disagreeing with you because well, I'm, taking, the Quinnipiac. I'm, I'm taking Quinnipiac. Well, I've got North Dakota. It seems like there's been a random-ass team in the Frozen Four, you know, each of the past few years, and this year it's going to be Quinnipiac. It's going to be Quinnipiac. Okay. Cute. Quinnipiac. Okay, so we have those. Are, are we making yep. – let's, let's go ahead and make full boobs of ourselves, and let's go – Okay. So we both have Denver facing off against Harvard in the Frozen Four semifinal, and I'm going to take Denver in that game. I think I'm taking Denver as well. Uh if that if that's where I am, I think I'm taking Denver. So All right, so I've got Quinnipiac against Minnesota. And I have BU against North Dakota. I'll let you make your pick for your game first. I'm being a homer. Boston University. And I am well not, not that I could be a homer either way. Um I think we are once again, unfortunately, and much to our chagrin as the Eastern Bias program going to see an all western championship game played at the garden, uh between Denver and Minnesota. Uh, that's my prediction for the national championship game, Denver versus Minnesota. So who do you have winning it all? I have been waffling on this. Earlier in the day, I said Minnesota. Right now, I'm kind of feeling like Denver. Uh, I'm going to have to pick one or the other on my bracket when I do submit it for the pool. Uh, as of right now, I'm going to say Denver, but I'm Subjected, my mind is subject to change before I actually submit my bracket. So I'll put a nice little asterisk there. I'm going to pencil in Denver. The year. The year. This is the year. Yeah, I think my pick is pretty obvious. I don't think I even need to say it. So it's not recorded. But uh, I'm picking BU. I'm picking BU. Woo! Oh, that bell felt right. You had that bell queued up. You were waiting for me to say it, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You get it. So what what, what you're saying is... program. Thank you so much to all of our guests. Thank you to Joe Maloney, Chris Lay, uh, Danny from the Daily Gopher, uh, Carolyn. Carolyn? It was Carolyn. Can you remember her last name? Can't from the Denver Clarion, and we're so sorry about that. Uh, Mark Diver from the Projo, uh, and all of you for listening, people contributing on Twitter, even some, even you. Um, thank you to everyone. It's been a fantastic time. I'm hoping that we get to do another one of these live shows before the first four. Uh, we hope many of you will be coming to the Frozen Four. We will be doing some sort of Eastern Bias meetup on the Friday night. Uh, pick a bar. We do. Uh, well, I'm still voting for the dugout over by BU, but that is to be determined, and uh, we hope to see you all there. We'll be back to talk about the Frozen Four field next week. Until then, have a great weekend and enjoy the hockey. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, all those great things. If you don't, uh, we've had some people come in tonight. Thank you so much. Um, and play the rest of Eastern bias.podbean.com. You can download yeah. all past episodes. 
Um, and for BC Interruption Radio, we're on iTunes as well. And uh, thanks again to Dan Rubin for letting us have this. We have 10 yeah, minutes thank left. Thank you. We're going to jump in one shining moment. That one shining moment, you reached me inside. In one shining moment, 